You are listening to the PRC Students Podcast. This sermon was recorded during one of our former student nights. You can also find and watch this sermon on our YouTube channel. We pray that the Lord speaks to you throughout this message. All right. Um, Happy New Year, everybody. It's good to see you all again for this year. Um, How are your New Year's resolutions going? Failed them already? Eh, so-so. Are you kind of like our series, I'll do it tomorrow, right? We'll put the vowels up next week. I'll do it tomorrow, okay? Um, I think this is one of the years that I I didn't really make any New Year's resolutions. I didn't write them down. Usually I'll try to write them down um, or start them early just so I have a head start. But this year, you know, I just wanted to keep it simple. Um, And... uh, um, my, my wife was talking to me. She's saying, you know, my New Year's resolutions this year is just uh, love and truth, you know, love and truth uh, in, in all that we do. And so that is kind of our, our, our motto, if you will, for the year. I uh, just keep things simple, love and truth. In a world where there's lots of lies, lots of misinformation, we want to show love and truth in everything that we do. So that being said, I hope you guys continue your resolutions, especially if they're good ones. And at the end of the year, maybe we can talk about them. Uh, tonight, I don't want to talk about New Year's resolutions or procrastination or anything like that tonight. I want to talk about seasons. Seasons. Now, many people say that in Georgia there are four seasons. Um, I think there's a lot more. I think there's a lot more than four seasons. For example, there's winter, fake spring, winter again, then there's spring. Then there's pollen season, then there's summer, then there's a humid summer, then there's a hot, humid, and rainy summer, okay? Uh, Then there's autumn, which is nice for like a week, and then there's fake winter, and then there's one day of snow winter, and then there's 75 degrees on Christmas Day winter, and then we're back to regular winter. So I think, you know, you can't just keep it nice and simple and uh, three months and four seasons. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Just as in nature, there are seasons. Uh, there are seasons for, for us physically, right? Um, as, 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 as we get older, we find out new things about ourselves. For example, for me, I find out that my body is betraying me as I get older. Um, you know, anything from walking down the stairs to getting out of bed, I'm thinking, is this the day? Is this the day when my back goes out or when I mess up my ACL? Because I was talking with a coworker uh, a few years back, and he had messed up his back really, really bad, right? He was like walking like this. I was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Are you okay? And he said, it's embarrassing. I walked off the stairs, like just one step, and something just happened. It just snapped, you know? So I'm constantly thinking, is this the day when, uh, is this the season when I wake up in the morning and, you know, you know, when you get older, you just start complaining about things. Um, so there's seasons physically. And, of course, we're going to talk about how there's seasons spiritually. There's seasons spiritually. And if you have your scriptures with you, and I encourage you guys to bring it every single student night. In fact, let that be a New Year's resolution as well. Bring it every single time you're in the house of God. This is the bread of life. This is where you can get nourishment from. Um, If you have it on your phones, pull it up, okay? Uh, But make sure you're only doing that on your phones. Pull up on your phones, whatever you have it. Let's open it up to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 
And before we start reading, just a little bit of background on this. Um, this is written by, it says, the son of David. Um, it's Solomon, really, who's writing this book of wisdom. And he starts off really kind of depressing. If you read the first, um, well, in fact, the whole book, but especially in the first few chapters, he says stuff like vanity, vanity, everything is meaningless. Remember, Solomon was the wisest person. He asked God for wisdom, and God gave wisdom to him. And he saw everything under the sun, and he determined that it means nothing. That there, on this world, in this life, there is no real purpose. And he came to chapter 3, or rather, we come to chapter 3, and we see how he's trying to gather more evidence to see if there is any reason under the sun. And he talks about different seasons in life. And tonight we're going to speak about five truths about seasons. Five truths about seasons in the life of a Christian. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with verse 1. Um, the first thing we see from this is that seasons are a part of life. The first truth is that seasons are a part of life. And here, Solomon begins to write out um, the different things that happen in life. For example, a time to born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. Uh, verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, before we go on, let me make a, a note here. These aren't things that we should necessarily be doing, right? Like, oh, time to kill, I have my list ready, okay? No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about here. He's not necessarily... Uh, prescribing things to do. He's just describing things that happen, okay? In life, um, in, in, in war, things die. If you have a sick animal, you need to put it down. You need to kill it, right? Um, so he's just kind of encompassing everything from A to Z. Uh, a time to break down, a time to build up. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Um, we all like to laugh. We all like to joke around. We like to have fun. But there are times where you mourn, where you cry, or at least you, you just feel um, just all these emotions of, of sadness and of grief overwhelm you. And we don't like to think about those times. We like to ignore them as much as we can. We try to cheer people up. For example, several years ago, I was at the funeral of a, um, of a close friend of mine, uh, his, his grandmother had passed away. And I was sitting next to him, and he was, he was crying, right? I uh, had my arm around him. And I was trying to think, what can I say to cheer him up? And I realized, Johnny, don't say anything. Because the worst thing you could do is say, well, there's a time and a season for everything, right? That's not what people want to hear in that time, right? There's a time for grief. There's a time for mourning. And we have to respect that. And we have to understand that it's a part of life. A time to tear, a time to sow, um, a time to love, and a time to hate. Again, um, it doesn't necessarily mean things that you should be doing, but he's just saying this is what happens. Maybe there's some things that you do need to hate, like things of the world, things that you need to get rid of. Um, earlier in verse 5, it says a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So a time to refrain from embracing, in other words, social distancing, right? There's a time for that. Um, 
Um, so there, he's just encompassing everything from A to Z. In verse 8, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Um, and he, he's, he's, he's looking at all of this, and he's saying life has seasons. It's normal for us to go through these different seasons. We can't just have all the good things in life, if you will. We also have to take everything else that comes along with it. Because that is the life of not just a Christian at this point, this is the life of everybody. And although they're a part of life, right, although they're normal, the preacher here, the teacher, is still just really um, um, has this unsatisfaction about him. In verse 9, he says, What gain has the worker from all his toil? What gain has the worker from all his toil? So, he's looking at everything that he mentioned here. And there's 14 statements if you add them all, right? A time to this, a time to that. There's 14 of them. And if you take all the positives and all the negatives, they come down to zero. And he's looking at this equation. He's saying, if I take everything I see, it's still equal to zero. It's still pointless. Sure, there are good times, but there's bad times as well. So he's saying, yes, life has seasons. Yes, it's normal, but why? Why are there these seasons in life? That brings us to the truth number two. Seasons have a purpose. Seasons have a purpose. In verse 11, the first part says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Before God created you and before God created me, before he created this earth, he had everything planned out. We have to begin this, this study, this, the, the look in this evening, by remembering and realizing that God is the creator of absolutely every season, of absolutely everything that happens, or he allows things to happen. Nothing surprises God. Nothing surprises God. He created time. He created space. I like to think of it like God has a, 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 a giant spectrum, if you will, of time. And this is the beginning of time, and this is the end of time. And he's outside of time, right? He, he is back from it. He sees it all. Just as we see this book, okay, in three dimensions, he is in another dimension, and he sees time. He sees it. He controls it. He changes it. And nothing surprises him. There is no what will happen or um, could this change. He has ordained everything that is to happen to be. That is where we must start. God is not wasteful. He is purposeful. Everything that he has created, he's created for a purpose. Remember Genesis, it says that he created this and he saw that it was good. He created this, he saw that it was good. He created man and he said, this is very good. God doesn't create things, eh, so-so. Now, since we've had the fall of man and the fall of humankind, um, that's where things took a turn for the worse. And that's what Solomon's saying. He's like, all this is pointless. We're working, but for what? So God has made everything 
beautiful in its own time. In other words, appropriate in its own time. That word beautiful can mean appropriate as well. God made everything good and right. And he is behind the scenes and he has a master plan behind everything. The second truth is that every season has a purpose. The third truth is that we can't always understand that purpose. You see, because God knows exactly why he allows things to happen. God knows exactly what is going to happen or what has happened. But we can't always understand it. We're too close to the big picture to understand what's going on. And that's in verse 11. It says, also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So listen, deep down, humankind knows that there's something more than life. Even if you're not a believer, there's all sorts of different philosophies out there and ideas about what is outside or what is after this life. If we didn't think like that, we'd be no better than animals because that's what animals do. Animals just live day to day, just look to eat, procreate, and live their life until they die. That is as far as an animal's intellect goes. But God created us in his image and it says here that he has put eternity into our hearts, meaning that as Solomon did, we see everything around us and we say there must be something more. Something else must uh, add to this equation that makes it more than zero, more than meaningless. What is it? And sometimes the seasons that happen around us, we don't fully understand what God is doing. We are too close to the event to see the big picture. For example, if, if you're on the beach and you look out over the horizon, the earth looks like it's flat, right? It's not. If you were to zoom out a little bit, okay, if you were to like pinch the screen, right, and zoom out um, or do some, some math, whatever, you'd be able to see, hey, wait a second, there's a curve going on here, okay? But we're too close to it. We're so small that it looks flat to us. Well, that's how God's plans are oftentimes. His plans are so big. They're so detailed. It would explode our little ant brains if we knew the whole picture. It really would. Or at the very least, we wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't believe it. We say, God, that's impossible. I don't think that would happen. And that's why God doesn't reveal to us every single thing. But he takes us through these seasons to prepare us for that. And it might not make sense at that moment. But God doesn't call us to understand everything. He calls us to what? To obedience. To be faithful. We ask many times, why God? Why, 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 why? It's like my, my uh, three-year-old. She asks, why, Daddy? Why, why? And eventually, it comes down to, because I said so. Because I'm your daddy, okay? And you have to eat your food, okay? I'm just saying, I have a plan for her. I want to see her grow big. I want to see her be healthy. And she needs to eat her vegetables. But why, Daddy? Why, why, why? This is why. Because I love you. You have to trust that this is the best thing for you at this moment. Similarly, we ask God so many times, if not verbally, at least in our hearts and in our minds and in my heart, my mind, God, why? Why did this happen? And I'll tell you what, we may not know the answer, 
for a long, long time, if at all. Because when we pray, when we talk to God, what are we really doing? We are expressing the limitations of our intellect. We are expressing the fact that we, at, we are up here and we've hit a ceiling and that we need divine inspiration. We are dependent upon somebody that is independent of everything. And that is why in these seasons, even when we don't understand it, God calls us to obedience. God calls us to trust him because he is the person with the master plan. Amen? So the fourth truth that we see starts in verse 12. It says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink, take pleasures in all his toil. That is God's gift to man. So I can see where your thoughts are going already on this. Johnny, look, it says, I can eat and drink and take pleasure in everything here on earth. Um, I would say read a little bit more, okay? Read just a little bit more. Because as the speaker said earlier, you can do all these things, but it's still meaningless. He's saying that even in all this meaninglessness and toil, there is still wisdom in, in, in living life, okay? We're not going to read this and then go back to our homes, lock ourselves in our room and cry out, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, okay? Uh, we're not going to do that. And I hope you don't, okay? Because um, Scripture tells us, hey, God's gift to man is life, is living on this earth and experiencing what God wants us to experience. But here's how to do it. Earlier in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, with verse 24, it says this, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Wow, that's word for word, right? This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting. Only, the, only to give to one who pleases God. So what we read earlier, apart from him, eating and drinking and doing all the things in life, taking in the pleasures of life, is meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. Who is the one that is pleasing to God? Well, scripture says that we've all fallen short of that, of that pleasing nature because we have nothing to offer God. No, the only one that was pleasing to God, the only one in whom God found pleasure was his son, Jesus Christ. And we, as his believers, believing in that righteousness, believing that Jesus, his righteousness is unto us as well, that is what God finds pleasing. So everything is meaningless without Jesus. Everything is pointless without Jesus. I've seen, and we've seen it all too, celebrities, millionaires, billionaires who have more money than they can count, and they're absolutely miserable. They're absolutely depressed. You see people on the other side, though, who have very little, but they found what true rest, what true enjoyment means. And that's not found in a bank account. It's not found in a buffet line. It's not found in the latest phone. It's found in Jesus. 
That is where our joy, that is where our rest, that is where any pleasure from life truly comes because everything else is meaningless. So yes, we should enjoy those little moments in life, the friendships that we have, the families that we have, even some of the things that we have. But remember, to not worship the blessings, but to worship the blessor. Because if you take pleasure only in the things that you have, you turn it into an idol. And God says, apart from me, that's idolatry. But if you look at the family you have, the possessions you have, the small things you have, you may not even have much, but you look at it and you say, God, it doesn't matter what I have, I have you. And that is more than enough. That is more than enough. The bottom line here is that we should get our priority straight. No matter what season we're in, we should get our priority straight. Once we are at peace with Jesus, we can truly enjoy life. We find that nothing can take away that joy. We had study back over the summer over the book of Philippians where Paul says how many hard things he went through, the beatings, the shipwrecks, everything. And yet he still found joy. He still had joy because he knew Jesus. And enjoy everything that's happening around you as part of the loving plan that God has ordained and made before he even created you. The fifth and final truth about seasons is that seasons should turn us to God. Seasons should turn us and have our eyes fixed on God. Um, the seasons that Solomon mentions in there can be very, very difficult. And it's easy for us in the good times to look to God and have our eyes fixed on God. But what happens is during the not so good times, we start to question things. We may start to question our ambitions, our motives, or even God himself. And it's okay to come and talk to God. Remember, he calls us to obedience. All these frustrations in life, all of the uh, um, uh, the, the dry seasons and the hard seasons in life turn us to God. And here's what it says in verse 14. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear him. God has done everything in your life up to this point to get you to look at him. Have you been paying attention? God has allowed everything in your life up to this point for you to fix your eyes on his son, Jesus Christ. No matter your age, no matter where you are, every season that you've had has led you to this point where you have the chance and the opportunity to change. To look not to yourself on your own powers, on your own strength, but instead to look to Jesus. My question for you, my question for me, is are we paying attention? Because if this past year has taught me anything, it's that God is calling me to pay more attention to him. God is telling me through that hard season that it seems like it'll never end. It feels like it'll be there forever sometimes. But he's saying, are you looking at me? Are you paying attention? I'd like for us to stand up and call the team back up. Um, Augustine said, you made us for yourself, 
and our hearts are restless until they can find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they can find their rest in you. Have you been restless in this past year? Have you been going through a dry season? Have you been going through a season where it felt like God's not talking? Where it felt like God isn't listening? Let me remind you that God is always there. He is on his throne. He is unchanging. He is unmoving. And James 1.17 says that there is not a shadow or variation to his change. He is eternal. In an ever-changing world, in all these seasons that change, God is the one constant. God is the one uh, um, uh, cornerstone. He is the one sure thing that we can place our faith in. Because faith is only as good as the object in which the faith is placed. And if you go through these seasons placing your faith and just hoping it gets better or putting your faith in the wrong people or the wrong ideas during those dry seasons, then you're going to be like the man who built his house on sand. You're going to be disappointed. If you're in the dry season, keep praying, keep talking. God is there. He's on his throne. He hasn't got anywhere. It, it won't last forever. Remember, Israel went through a 400-year period where God was silent. From the book of Malachi to Matthew, it's 400 years in there. One page in our Bible, but 400 years in real life. And surely they're asking themselves, does God still hear us? And he responds with the most magnificent thing ever in the history of histories and of time. And as through the birth of Jesus Christ, his son, onto the earth, to silence all the critics, to silence all the naysayers, are you in a waiting season? Yeah, it's not easy. I get it. I'm waiting on many things still. I'm waiting on promises and on, on, on things that were told to me long ago and things that God told to me personally, things that I've read that I'm still waiting on. It's not easy. But in this waiting, are you paying attention to God? Are you waiting for him to come through? Be patient. God has not forgotten you. He's planning, he's preparing, he's pruning you. He's taking away all the rough edges and making you more into his image because everything up to this point has been to get you to look more like him, to act more like him, to love more like him through every season that you're going through. Are you in a grinding season right now? Are you working 24-7 and it feels like there should be like one more hour in the day? I'll raise my hand to that, right? I mean, it's like day in and day out. You just don't have enough time to, uh, to eat lunch. You're, you're grinding through it. You're wondering, Lord, will this ever end? Listen, make God a priority at the start of your day. Make God a priority when you open up the scripture in the morning and say, Lord, I have no strength left for this. I'm running on fumes and caffeine. And Lord, I have no energy for this. Put God first at the beginning of your day and see what happens. Put the Lord first and say, Lord, I cannot do this. But as your scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me no matter what the outcome is. Lord, I place this faith in you. Ask God for that. Are you in the season of tests and trials? Here's one thing I do want to say. Sinning is never a season, okay? Sinning is never a season. God allows us to go through tests and through trials 
to build our character, to be more, uh, um, to be more like Him. But He will never lead us into temptation. He will never make us sin. So if if you're in a if you're in a season, I'll say, I'll say it that way, where you're finding yourself in this vicious cycle of sin, my friend, that's not a season from God. That's a season from the devil. And that's not where God wants you to be. Now, the, the amazing thing about God is he can use and he will use everything for his glory one way or another because he is good, but he's calling you right now to escape from that. He's calling you right now to cry out to him and say, Lord, release me from this because I want to be in a season where I'm praising you, where I'm open with you, where I am in the light and I have fellowship with you and those around me, but I cannot right now because I'm chained down by this and I'm chained down by that. Remember, sinning is never a season, but God wants to take you out of there. God wants to bring you from there to redeem you and to show you the light and to put you on the right path. God knows your struggle. Jesus himself was tempted just like you and I were, yet he never sinned. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is what? Faithful, amen. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Do you want that way of escape in this evening? Do you want that way out of it to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to worship you. I want to praise you with a clear conscience. I want to sleep well at night, God, because I've been waking up in the middle of the night. Lord, oh, hallelujah. Lord, I want to be the one raising my hands and lifting my clean hands, as it says in your scripture, but I need an escape. I need a way out of this. My friend, tonight, the escape is here, and the escape is a person. His name is Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He has provided that way only through him because he is the only one pleasing to God. If you're going through a season of just spiritual warfare, do not fight it on your own. That is not your battle. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the rules, the authorities of this world. And it is up to us to not lift up our hands and try to fight. It is up to us to get down on our knees and say, Lord, I need you to fight this battle because I will lose it on my own. If you're going through one of those seasons, cry out to God. Put on the full armor of God, hallelujah, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and uh, just ask the Lord to fight the battles for you. These are the seasons that you may or may not find yourselves in, but if anything I've said has captured your attention, I want you to turn to God. I want you to face God and be honest and say, Lord, at the beginning of this year, I'm going through this kind of season, a dry season, a, a grinding season. I'm through this or that. Do you want to change? Do you want to change in the start of the year? Because here's what's going to happen. The season that you're in can change you, either for the worse or for the better. The foolish person will look at everything going around them and say, you know what? It's not worth anything. I'm just going to enjoy the pleasures of life. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to uh, just live this, this um, it's called a hedonistic lifestyle, just taking pleasure in any way that you could find. Because what's the point? On the other end, you might be saying, what's the point? I don't even want to be here anymore. I don't want to have these, these pressures and these toils anymore, these, these, um, these things that keep on happening to me. I want it to end. My wife was talking with someone. And saying that, 
sometimes she just feels like walking into a lake. She's in that, that state, that season. Listen, it's real. But that's not the plan that God has for you. I don't know if I'm speaking tonight, but I feel like I'm speaking to someone here in this evening. That is not the plan that God has for you. He didn't say life on earth would be easy. That's why he gave us a family. He didn't say life would be easy. That's why Jesus was tempted just as we were, to give us an example. He never said life would be easy, but he said one day it'll be worth it because guess what? We live in this season right now of a fallen world, but there will be a season when Jesus Christ will come back and make everything new and everything will make sense. And just as this body is sown into the ground, 1 Corinthians says in chapter 15, this body is sown into the ground, a different body will rise up in a different season and we will see and shout to God and say, Father, I understand now. I understand why I went through what I went through. I understand why you took me through that dry season, why you took me through that grinding season. I understand now because you see Jesus face to face and you're in awe of him and you fear him and, you, and we worship at his feet. And that's what it's saying at the last words that, so that people fear before him, that people fall before him. Everything in your life up to this point is getting you to focus on God. Are you paying attention? Are you focused on God? Let's worship and let's pray.